Welcome to For Something Greater. I am Dominic Hawley, your host, and I am so happy you are here today. This is a podcast where we dig deep into what it takes to pursue your dreams, create an impact, and be a world changer. We get real, honest, and vulnerable. We dig into the challenges, the roller coasters, the triumphs, and everything in between. So grab your coffee or your green drink, and let's dig into today's episode. Welcome to this episode. I am beyond excited to actually be releasing this. I recorded this episode about three months ago at this point, and I've been dying to release it, and here we are. Um, it is an interview with a very good friend of mine, Amir Abushakra, and he's a 21-year-old who ran a half a million dollar painting business. And this interview is beyond the normal conversation of how somebody runs a half a million dollar painting business. Amir is extremely thoughtful and he really analyzes things and considers things and his thought process had me just amazed. And so this interview is well, well, well worth your investment of two hours. I've played it over and over and over again. And we talk about so many different things. We talk about mindset, your emotional state, how math and, um, all that good stuff is really beneficial for problem solving and just so much more. I honestly, if there's anything you do today, tomorrow, this week, definitely make sure you listen to this interview. I was really privileged to actually be able to sit down with him and pick his brain. And, uh, and I'm just really excited that more than myself can actually experience this interview. So Grab your cup of coffee or your green drink and let's dig in. Okay, I am so excited for this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, because I've been thinking about it for like a month at least. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why don't you, for people who don't know who you are, which is probably most, <laughs> everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's good. Uh, do like a quick two-minute synopsis about... Uh, who you are, what you've done, all that good stuff. Done, like, in, in, in terms of business or, like, my life or... Anything you would like people to know about you? Um, sure. Oh, fellow <laughs> viewers. What, what, do you have a name for your viewers? Like, the Dominiquers? This, no, it's a conversation <laughs> between you and me. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Sorry. I kind of always wanted to, uh, you know, have my own Twitch stream where you're just interacting with the chat. What if people are asking questions in chat? We'll look at it after. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, okay, well, I was born... Like, what would you tell me? I was born and raised in Jordan for the first 12 years of my life. Okay. And I slowly was shaping into the person that I thought people would like instead of what I wanted to be. And who is that person? You know, so just a people pleaser, the class clown, or yeah. whatever, feel good. And then when I came to Canada, it was like a, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old, it was like, okay, now that here's an opportunity for me to try and just be myself. Mm. I felt like a second chance. So I'm like, okay, great. Um, I want to be somebody who I can look up to when I'm older. So. What was that, like grade seven? Grade seven, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, that's how it, how it all began. And my ambition and my hunger sparked up because all of a sudden 
I'm in this country with a lot of opportunity that my parents obviously provided. So it, it would feel I would feel really bad when I did nothing, especially in grade 10, 11, and 12, um, when in high school, if I, if I wasn't being productive and pursuing something or discovering what I'm good at, it, uh, it made me feel weird. So, uh, yeah, I got out there and, and dabbled in as many things as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. I would say yes to everything. Literally, the movie Yes Man, yeah. I thought was great because you just, it's like the shotgun effect where uh, you just try everything and then you can just take a step back and choose, okay, I like this, I like this, and like this. Um, you know, life is short, so I, I really wanted to do things that I liked. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to be a drag, and I liked uh, doing PowerPoint presentations. So, That's so random. Yeah, and uh, I've always wanted, my, one of my first ever goals was to be a comedian. Oh, I could see that. Totally. Yeah, okay. like, I think the comedian has the ultimate power in a room if you let them have that. Yeah. You know, you can sit there and, and, and practically, if you're really good at it, say anything that you want and teach people and have people feel emotions. And, you know, with, with laughter or a seminar, you know, there's only two points. Like people clap in the beginning and people clap at the end. Yeah. And anything other than that is like extra. Whereas a comedian, you're constantly pushing the boundary of like, okay, this entire room is now laughing. Hmm. So I found, I found that a very powerful, how one man or woman can stand in front of a stage, use words, mm-hmm. and have other people be like, for a couple of seconds, just immobile. Like you, yeah. when you're laughing, you can't think about anything, you can't do anything. Yeah. I found that like really powerful. And, and then you read these stories about these men who conquer continents still have two arms and legs so then they're really good with their speech mm. I'm like hold on a second here there's there's something crazy about this and then and then you look into it further it's like the right set of words can like cause death mm. murder cause eternal love and it's like wait what this is pretty <laughs> kind of real philosophical right? yeah but it's, okay. it's, i find that really cool so i was really obsessed with language and how can i master and how old were you when you like that was 16, 17. Really? 16, yeah. Because I would see um, some people in the hallway who were like, you know, the popular kids. And I'm like, okay, you know, you know, why is this guy, you know, you know, he's not rich or have anything that like, kind of stands out. Oh, wow, but he's so good at language and, mm. and communication. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Because what got Obama elected was his speech. If you ever heard Obama's 2008, um, like one of his first speeches that he made, that yeah. was like just put them on the map. It's like this person knows how to capture th- an audience of thousands of people. So that's the thing when it. That's when I first kind of discovered. Um, I have so many questions about that. Yeah, go so on. So we're gonna come back. Cool, cool. So yeah, I'm gonna pin it because I have so many questions about that. So then fast forward to probably one of the main reasons why I'm doing a podcast with you, yeah. <laughs> other than you're just a great person, but. Um, talk about the last year, like what you've taken on and what you've accomplished in the last year. And yeah. then there's so much I want to dig into. To understand last year, I think we have to move back just a bit more. Um, I used to work at TD as a bank teller really? and a food runner at St. George's Gulf and Country Club. Both great places to work and huge parts of my life. Um, at St. George's Gulf and Country Club, I would be serving these really wealthy people. So I would like surround myself with them. Mm. And slowly, after six months of working there, I'm like, this guy, Robert, isn't that different from, Mm. there's nothing really special. And how old were you when you were doing that? 
I was like 16, 17, okay. around that age as well. And I'm like, I think I can be this person hmm. who's, who's respected and can hold a room and is admired and is wealthy and looks free and happy. Doesn't look like anything crazy. Again, maybe some language skills here and there. A couple of handshakes with the right people. Yeah. So that was, we'll pin that there. So that was all of a sudden back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And then I got a better opportunity at TD to make $2 more per hour. And I was like, take Thanks. it, take it. But now I went from sort of serving people food, I'm now handling their finances. Mm. So I'm standing there for eight hours a day. And despite my performance, whether it's, you know, I was excellent with a customer mm-hmm. or really sloppy and sleazy to get their to let them sign up for a credit card, I would mm. still make 17 bucks an hour. And that didn't make any sense to me. So if I was really good, I'd make 17. If I was really bad, I'd make 17. Doesn't make too much sense. So pin that. And then people would walk in with like a $100,000 check that they would enter in for like their quarterly check from their seven properties that they have. Mm. And you know, it's a guy with you know the sunglasses here and you know kind of overweight and it's like, you know, <laughs> walks in, you know, he's making $400,000 a year from, you know, several properties. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this guy's pretty smart. I don't think I can work my way per hour for $400,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I think there's a limit there. So I said, okay, um, pin that here. And I was walking at U of T campus, and there was a clipboard passed around, and I met this... Uh, uh, I think you know her, Hannah Kilby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did my interview. Shout with out her. to Hannah. Yeah, Hannah. Hannah was sick. <laughs> but I annoyed the crap out of her because I asked like a million questions because I didn't believe it. She's telling me you can, you know, you can do this. And just for context, uh, it was for running a franchise, more specifically a painting franchise. So it was like, wait, hold on. So if I, I get a car in here, I can make ten thousand dollars in the summer. It just doesn't make any sense. That's mm. right. and if you're good, you might make twelve or thirteen thousand. Whoa, mm. something's going on here. Yeah. And then I, uh, she diverted me to Michael Hawley. Yeah. Because she didn't, she didn't really deal, want to deal She's with like, me. this guy's really annoying. Yeah, Michael. Really <laughs> annoying. Yeah, I was really annoying. Uh, and then I have heard that, actually. Yeah. I, I called Michael, and, uh, and he was like, yeah, we're looking for a sales position. You know, let's go out canvassing. And going door to door, I just, uh, there's something clicked where it's like, okay, you get paid for your results. So over, all of a sudden, all the PowerPoint presentations, I was now doing a mini PowerPoint presentation <laughs> every door. That's how I thought about it. You know? Was that the first time that you had gotten paid for your results? Was door to door? Or like I did snow shoveling, okay. but that was very laborious. Okay. Whereas like sales, it's like, oh, you have a good conversation with somebody, you get paid. Mm. Wait, what? Okay, I don't have to like put in manual labor. This is an interesting concept. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to squeeze it out. I don't know if it's some crazy scam, but I'm going to just t- try it out and see what happens. And it worked great with Michael. We did some amazing things. And, and actually, after I finished working with Michael, I got recruited into a multi-level marketing business. Oh, did you? Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, so we'll keep the name out for legal reasons. <laughs> My lawyer has advised me otherwise. And uh, no, I don't have a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and he basically, uh, I joined a team and... It was like, oh, you know, you, you get this product and you can sell it. Or if you want to make a lot of money, have somebody else also sell the mm. product. So I was like, you know, you know, pyramid scheme and not a pyramid scheme, whatever you want to call it. Um, I went to a lot of my family and friends and 
it was a bit sloppy. I haven't lost any relationships from that, which I'm very yeah, surprised that usually happens. Because I made a bit of money, and then the relationships that were like, okay, this is actually kind of weird. I just returned their money. Just mm. like, okay, like I'm not gonna. Yeah. Here's your money back. Um, and then Michael Holly, we're running the business in Etobicoke, North York. Went to Vancouver. Yeah. And was like, okay, just try to do your own business. Yeah. So in in sales. So the average, just for context again, the average painting business owner around our age does around eighty thousand dollars a year worth of business, and I was able to sell around one twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mind you, I wasn't doing recruiting and all that, which might have taken the focus away. I was just focusing on sales. So Michael was like, "Oh, I think you can totally run your own business. I think you can do one fifty." Like what? No, because I thought. Okay, well, if my sales are here, but now I have to do recruiting and hiring and customer management. It's just going to yeah. push me back to like 80K. Mm. And, you know, become you know, just average. Yeah. And he's like, no, I think you should do 150. Go on it. And I said, okay, cool. You yeah. know, Michael knows me a lot. He knows my weaknesses and strengths. We spent a lot of time together. And, uh, and again, that annoyance, Michael saw as like hunger. Mm-hmm. He could have easily seen, oh, this guy's going to give me a headache. But no, he would return my 17 calls <laughs> on a daily basis. Hey, why do we use this word in this contract instead of this word? Yeah. Agreement. <laughs> Never say the word contract with a client. Gets them all spooked. Uh, that's something Michael taught me. But it's these small things that just added up where I would like really be obsessive about because I was obsessive about language. Um, and yeah, last year was my first year running a Studentworks painting franchise. And the goal was 150. I think the record was, at the time, for a rookie business, was 157. Mm. So I said, okay, if Michael thinks I can do 150, if I break the record, then surely that's going to be amazing. So let's just bump our goal to 160. Mm-hmm. And then I had a rough start with sales, but then it picked up after, again, calling other people who ran painting businesses yeah. and asking for advice and help and doing a lot of mirror work so i would go in front of a mirror and pitch to myself and be like oh okay that's way too high pitch of a voice looks way too salesy and i started actually toning it down from what i thought a sales pitch Mm -hmm. is and if you see me now selling totally it's like not interested in making the sale just interested to listen to the customer what they want and not really too attached to the outcome and people are like okay this guy's gonna go he's here now honey do we need painting he's about to leave Yes. This is so good. I'm gonna pin this because I want. I'm gonna come back to this. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think. Okay. In my pinnacle of sales, uh, it was I wasn't actually selling. Mm. It was like just having a really good conversation. It's like, oh, what are your problems? Okay, well, here's my solution. So when did you when did you connect that that you were more detached from the outcome and you were just uh. there? Was that last year? Was that halfway through the yeah. last year? So the, one of the distinctions I learned from some personal coaching that I got was attached versus um, committed. Mm-hmm. So let's say I want that mug. Okay, For our viewers who are driving and are in the car, I'm pointing to a mug right now. <laughs> Sorry. I just always from. wanted to do this. I've always wanted to do this. Glad I let's can make say, your dreams come true. Oh, totally. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Let's say I wanted that mug. Yeah. If I was attached to that idea, I would like be thinking about it on the way home and like, 
obsessing about it and like trying to learn your your schedule do i offer money for it to try and like just take it yeah or, like trade for it and it's gonna take up a lot of it and then i go for it and i fail i'm like oh i failed oh i'm such an idiot i don't know if i could take this mug so it's very reactive yeah whereas if i'm committed to taking that mug i'm like oh i'm gonna take that mug eventually mm-hmm. so if i try once and i fail no problem i'm gonna get it yeah uh, it, it's here it's, it's just gonna happen it's just a matter of when so being committed to that i wasn't really reactive to the micro yeah it's more like the macro it's like okay so good now oh. i now i learned that dominique doesn't want money for her mug perfect yeah. i'm that now it's closer versus like oh tuesday was horrible this was the worst day ever all i wanted was that mug and i failed terribly and like i'm getting very emotional about it and stuff like that so during the sales pitch uh when i'm meeting with somebody it, that's like the context. So when did you realize that? Uh, there's, there was a date. Um, I think it was I think it was April 13th or 14th. Last year. This year. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It took me a long time to get there. Okay, so you ran. Okay, hold on. So let's let's Rewind catch every. Out. Hold on, let's catch everybody up to where we are currently right now, yes. and then I'm going to take back in. So you ran the painting business last year. What yes. did you end up? producing last year yeah so the goal went from 150 to 160 this is just the goal and then yeah. it went to 175 i'm like that's an ugly number let's just do 200 if we did 200 that'd be amazing yeah and then we started trending for 200 i'm like no I, I i'm a strong believer that you shouldn't hit your goals okay i don't think you should ever hit your goals interesting okay i think you should all if above 80 percent that's how you measure goals i think it's like if you get to 80 percent of your goal that's like good it's like okay, I want to, I want to, this you know, projected quarterly for a hundred million dollars, you know, if I ran this whatever voodoo business, um, and we did eighty million. Okay, that's eighty percent. That's a success. Um, so I wanted to always be like around 90 percent of my goal because if I hit it, then it's like, well, I still have employees, I still have energy. Why should I stop? So it's like just dry it out. So imagine, but. Okay, hold on. So I have more questions about this. So what did you end up hitting last year? So last year we ended up doing two hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars worth of revenue on the dot. I think it was two hundred twenty-five thousand sixty-three dollars. It was something really cool. Okay, so that was last year, and then uh, you ran the painting business again this year. And I'm going to recap it super quickly because there's a lot of stuff I want to dig into. Sure. So uh, what was the goal that you decided for this year? Um. So a good friend of mine in, in the painting business industry, um, I did really well that year and we, we broke the record and it feels good. I'm like, okay, that's it. Let's leave it. Mm-hmm. I already made a good name out of myself. Uh, let's not stain it by being greedy. So let's just let, let it go. Uh, but another guy did 310,000. Okay. And he had like three executives with him on the team. So it was yeah. himself and two others. Yeah. So I did a lot of like reflecting, like how much did I sell from that two hundred twenty-five thousand? Oh, I sold all of it. Um, that guy he sold like one fifty, but had other people sell for him. So I started like thinking about it. I'm like, okay, what do I actually want to learn in business? And what I wanted to learn was uh, delegation. Mm. And it's like, how cool would it be to get somebody and just teach them how to be successful? And have them make a lot of money mm-hmm. at in a summertime, and and help you run this business. 
Yeah. Because I think partnerships can exponentially increase performance. Mm -hmm. Like if I do 100,000 in my business and you do 100,000, if we pair up, we're not going to do 200. We're yeah. probably going to do 300. Yeah. So it's like, there's probably some mathematician out there that can explain why this happens and some psychologist that can pair up. There's probably a paper out there. But I just know that that's the thing that's true. So I said to myself, if I want to come back, I would definitely want to beat this record. Durant 350. So $40,000 $40, more. But to make it hard, I'll just do it at 400. Mm. So I thought like, oh, the four minute mile, 400, nobody's crossed 400. I think that'd be really cool. But I was on the phone sharing this goal <laughs> with this guy, Joseph Joy, which Michael Holly introduced me to. He's a, he works at... Is he uh, in Queens? Yes. Oh, okay. You definitely know him. Okay. I've actually never met him, but I've heard about him. Yeah. Okay. So he's a, I think the, the term is his investment advisor. I'm not sure, but he, he raises capital for the bank. Okay. So it's like, okay, I'm a rich 53-year-old man. I have all this money in my bank account. I don't know how to invest it. Oh, Joe gives me a call, walks me through this. Yeah. Okay, here you go, Scotiabank. All right, here's $300,000 you can invest. So he does around 20 to $30 million a year. And he was like, well, Amir, why don't you just do 500000 And I'm like, yeah, okay. Man. You're like, oh, no, okay, now on. I have to. A little to. part of my ego is like, <laughs> kind of like, isn't this enough for you? Are you not entertained? <laughs> but when somebody challenges you, it's like... Yeah, because there was something like the 200K club. Like, I think only five people ever did more than 200,000. Mm. But nobody's ever done it as a rookie. So I'm like, oh, okay, like that's all I need. My ego's been struck. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I can just go. But then he's telling me to skip over 400,000. Like, here's this guy who barely edged past 300,000. And then he's like, no, just... Go over that. Yeah. Go over 400. And go yeah. over 500. And by the way, again, these numbers can be replaced with anything. Yeah. So if you're in a if if you're in a company or anything like that, you know the the way to kind of relate to this conversation is, what's the record for in in sales or performance or uh, clientele acquisition or customer satisfaction, whatever it is. If there's a number, always ask for what the record is, and then ask yourself, okay, how can I do uh, 30% higher or I think the math was yeah half a million you know that's around 55% or 66% more uh, than the previous record so it's oh, like okay. so that's like the math you can plug in so if you're you know if you're you know working at uh, uh, but I'm okay so so many questions like oh, sorry okay. let's let's where did you end up? Because I actually want to dig into why you would want to surpass yeah. like so the maximum. When Joseph Joy told me to set my goal at 500, it scared me. It got me anxious. It gave me anxiety. I'm like, what if I let all these people down? I was no longer in my comfort zone. Mm. And then when I realized that, I'm like, that's that's the goal. Mm. That's the goal. Because for me to, because I knew I could probably do 400. It, I know it sounds kind of, you know, I don't want it to come off the wrong way. But from what I've learned and the people I've met and the systems that I've discovered, mm -hmm. And the experience that I've gone through, 400000 just required another individual in my business who's highly coachable, highly talented, who can help me. Because I, I know now, like with my sales, if I started two months earlier, from selling 225 I think I can sell 310 mm. So I just had to enroll somebody to sell 90 which is the average. Yeah. So okay. I, I just need one more person, which I think is doable. Yeah. Uh, but 500 it's like, okay. That's where it gets really tough. So I yeah. set the goal because it actually scared me. And I remember in January of this year, 
I would like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I should call my coach and be like, change it back. Oh, really? Because my ego was like not... Because I I always had this thing, again, going back to... Mm. In Jordan, I just want to be a people pleaser. Mm. And I just didn't want to let down, you know... I didn't want to let down people and and fail. So I had fear of failure. It's just like... But I kept it and I kept pushing on and, you know, setting a ridiculous goal. It seems ridiculous only because of the context. Yeah, because the context is... You know, most second year operators, the average is what now? Like 120? Yeah. 130? Yeah, so the context is if you do anything more than that, you're. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh no, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do that, uh, you know, whatnot. Like, I, I read this crazy stat. I think in the US last year, there were 500,000 more millionaires. Created. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. And then, and then you start doing some of the, the research, and it's like, I always thought like making over $100,000 was, okay, you're set for life. Mm. But in this day and age with the internet and data analytics and Facebook yeah. and, and the emergence of software, that's actually not a lot. So the context is really important. So with 500K, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ignore what other people think and just look at it from a purely mathematical and data perspective. So if 500K gets you here, well, let's work back. If the average job size of a client is 2,000, then I would need 250 clients. Hmm. I don't want 250 clients. So I'm gonna push for an average job size of 3,000. So now I needed um, 150 clients. 180 or 175 clients, whatever the math is. Okay, that's more manageable. Okay, now well, how do I acquire a client? Okay, well, every two estimates, an estimate is a sit down mm-hmm. with a presentation, is a client. So that's a 50% closing rate, which is yeah. bad. So you always want to assume the worst, plan for yeah. the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. Okay, so how do you get two meetings because for every two meetings is one client so yeah. two meetings to get two meetings you need to set up four meetings over the phone because half will fall through mm-hmm. so okay i need to set four four meetings over the phone well to set four meetings over the phone i need to get 16 phone numbers of mm-hmm. people who are interested okay well how do you get a phone number every 17 people that tell you no is one phone number mm. so okay so what's 17 times 16 okay so that's how many people have to say no at the door yeah to get that number yeah well how do you get 17 people say no you knock on 30 doors hold on a second if we now go all the way back from here we just said half a million and now i'm saying 30 doors Mm. so okay 30 doors gets me one lead but i need 16 leads to get you know four estimates and from four estimates over the phone, I get two face-to-face, and then from two face-to-faces, one. Yeah. So you work it all the way back, and it's like, okay, well, how many doors can I knock on in an hour? 31. Who knew? So how many hours do I have to put in going door-to-door? So did you end up doing the numbers? How many, uh, oh, for, for, 500, for 500K, how many doors do you need to hit? I needed to knock on doors for 55 hours a week. 
all eight months or assuming the worst case scenario because all the numbers i gave you are worst, worst case scenario yeah yeah so the variables i started adjusting i'm like okay now i have to get obsessed about this closing ratio this 50 percent closing ratio because this can like just cut my time in half if, if i was 80 percent or 90 percent efficient at closing yeah then it's like okay well wow i just have to canvas 30 hours a week yeah so what i said to myself is starting january 7th I'm going to go door to door, Monday to Friday, Yeah. three hours a day. Okay, hold on, hold on. This I actually want to spend time on. So, pause this. <laughs> There's a lot of things that are pinned. Amazing, yes. <laughs> so, uh, fast forward us to where we are today. So, it's been eight months. We're at the end of, we're almost at the end of your season. Yes. We, we just collected a check that put us at $450,000 collected. So, we're $50,000 away. From hitting our goal, and we've already sold another forty-four k on top of that, so that puts us at four hundred ninety-four thousand. It's yeah. not over yet. Yeah. And mind you, I increased my goal to five hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, because so. it's September. So it's September 9th. So you started January third. Seventh. Seventh. So yeah. January seventh to September 9th. So essentially eight. Nine months. Yeah. No, because nine months would be the end of September. Oh, okay, true, true. Yeah. So eight months and two days. Yeah. Just extremely impressive. Good. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I don't I don't take compliments well. I was watching. I was like, yeah. it's a good impression. And, and yeah, that's a side track. That's a different different day. Um. Okay. So, you know, forty minutes later, that that's a mirror. Um. So there's a couple things I want to dig into. Um. But first, I want to talk about. I think it's easy to hear somebody like you so if i was somebody watching this or listening to this podcast i'd be like i'd almost disassociate and be like that's him oh yeah. like that's separate that's somebody else yeah da, 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 da. and what's important for me in the podcast is to actually bridge the gap because i uh i also do student works painting so it's interesting because in student works painting my progression was being a low performer to a higher performer and so i now actually try and deconstruct because for me so often i would associate like yo that person did 200k there's something that they're doing that i don't have oh like something you're born with or something yeah i don't I, and i don't even know what but it's just like whatever and that's just kind of how i got myself off the hook mm -hmm. To a certain extent, but it also really irritated me because it was just like, I'm working as hard as they are. So it's not like a sweat equity situation, right? Yeah, yeah. So there are people who work equally as hard as you do, who probably More. did 50K this year, right? Oh. Um, and you did 500K. So this is where I actually find it really interesting is to dig into what... So you had said something about, like, here is the record. I want to do 30% more than the record. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So most people don't think like that. So why, why is it so important for you when you look at things that's like, here's the record, which number one, most people don't go to try and break the record. And I want to do 30% more than the record. Like, where does that come from from you? Wow, I've never thought of it. Um, 
I think it's because I'm so curious to find out who I am. Because I feel like I just don't know what I'm capable of. So I have this one life. I've been just given this body, this mind, this way of speech. Mm-hmm. What can it do? Because it's just all I got. Like, this is it. So definitely can't play basketball because I failed seven years in a row to make the basketball team, which taught me, you know, consistency and never giving up. But so I can't play sports. What am I good at? Oh, okay. Weirdly, in school, people would approach me and compliment my PowerPoint presentation. Nobody cares in high school about anything. And then for somebody to just be like, yo, that PowerPoint presentation was so much fun. Like, that was awesome. I learned a lot and you were funny and like it was entertaining. Yeah. I was like, okay, there's something here. What What can this do? And then when I found out about, that's why I mentioned the food running and the TD. I just felt like I was dying. Like I saw my life flash before my eyes at TD. It's like one year at this teller, then your chief teller in a year. Oh, <laughs> and oh, trust me. Wait, wait, wait. If you're really good, in a year you go to that office on the first floor, yeah. And then you can start sitting down on a chair. I want to sit down on that chair. <laughs> and if you're good, then you become from a, a CSR, a customer service representative. Yeah. Then you become a financial service representative at the desk. Yeah. Then you become a financial advisor. So now you can issue mortgages and stuff like that and make percentages off that. But wait, in four years, you can make it to the second floor and now you can deal with private wealth. And oh, in seven years, if you're lucky, corporate will pick you up and you'll work downtown. So I, so, okay. So here I get not wanting that life. Yeah. Right. Because I felt like that was it. I knew I can do it. It's boring. I'm not learning. But there's a difference between not (laughs) wanting that life and having... Something to go and like blast past yeah. the, uh, the uh, essentially what I'm doing. The best way to say it, I'm, I'm just stress testing myself. Like here's this identity that I call Amr or Amir or whatever. This person sitting here. I'm trying to find out what can't it do. Uh, because okay. if I keep, if let's say I put my input into something at a hundred percent, then there's no flaw in the numbers of saying, oh, this, he didn't try as hard. That's why he didn't do it. So there's all these excuses come up or like, oh, he's taking on too many commitments. He's not working as much. He's not sleeping enough. He's not eating enough. What if I slept enough, ate enough, invested all the time possible into one thing? Mm-hmm. What, what can it breed? Okay. So I'm going to push back. You ready for this? So, um, because I think there's something in your mindset that's very distinctive to, especially because I know student works painting. Student works painting isn't a walk in the park. Even if you do 50K, yeah, it's, it's not a walk in the park, yeah. right? So for, so I'm going to push back a little bit because there's something very distinctive in your mindset compared to most other people. So what... So when you set the goal of 500K, or even two, whatever goal you set last year, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Deep inside, did you actually believe you could hit the goal? I actually avoided that question. So if you look back on it now, did you actually believe you could hit the goal? I never investigated that question. When that would come up, I didn't didn't look at it. Because then if I looked at it, it would just breed fear and anxiety, which would like stack on itself. 
So I just avoided that entire area in my brain. Uh, and I instead focused on the things like, other than feelings and beliefs, just on the numbers. The numbers always saved my sanity. It's like, so you looked at something in reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got out of my head. If I was stuck in my head, again, I would have been anxious. I would have been losing sleep. Instead of like, why did I take you through this long, arduous example of like working the data, the data? Yeah. Is because there's a number here, 55 hours a week. And that's all I had to worry about. If I did 55 hours a week of, of door knocking, I should statistically hit my goal. Okay, so where does that drive to hit 55 hours? How many hours a week did you knock uh, on doors so three, in January? Um, it was around 15 to 20. Okay, so you're hitting, you're personally knocking on doors 20 hours a week. Yeah. So where did that drive to consistently do that come from? Oh. And this is, because yeah. I have this conversation with high performers, because I'm now actually trying to deconstruct it, because oh. there's something that you do that's so subconscious to how you interact and run your life that you don't oh. think anything about it. But it's actually very distinct from how yeah. most people do it. It's uh, it's the fear of regret. Okay, so what? Okay, so it's <coughs> January fourteenth. It's negative twenty degrees outside. You've knocked on doors. You know, you probably have another hour left to hit your three hours that night. Most people would be like, you know what, I'm good. There's this great show, How I Met Your Mother. Mm, I've never watched it. There's this one scene where he talks about doing the the rocking chair test. Mm. Drag yourself 80 years forward. You're in a rocking chair looking back at your life. And I just have this proper understanding like as a 21-year-old. And this is a lot that comes from Gary Vaynerchuk. He's, mm -hmm. a, he's very popular on social media. At 21, you have no mortgage, no kids, no overwhelming commitments. I'm backed by my parents financially. Very blessed. Mm -hmm. Blessed with good health, good friends, good people around me, and this amazing opportunity. Yeah. I would regret not doing everything in my power to try and investigate it because it just might. It just might be the thing that I'm really good at and might provide me with freedom for the rest of my life. I want to be free of financial uh, responsibility. I want to, like, I really want to create indestructible wealth. So when I come back, I do this 80 year, 80 year yeah. test, it's like, would I be proud of myself to skip out on that one hour? Because I know that one hour on the micro maybe, and even the macro isn't that much, but it's actually extremely dangerous for your brain because you allow it. You, you promote what you permit. So now there is something okay about missing that one hour. Whereas I would beat myself up if I did something like that. I'll make sure it won't happen again versus oh, I'll let it slide. Because in that hour, it may not translate like that in your life, but that hour turns into an extra bowl of chips mm. or going to that extra party and missing that one prayer and not making this calling session and removing 5% of your price on your contract to increase your chances of booking the sale. Total myth, by the way, but not changing your oil as, you know, you're now 10% slower on changing your oil. So all of a sudden your whole life starts like 
becoming 5% less just because you skipped on this hour. Because this hour is out of 20. So that's 5%. So it's like all of a sudden I'm permitting this 5% room and all of a sudden my entire life just dropped by 5%. So where did... And as a 21-year-old where there's exponential growth yeah. in my life, that's a very dangerous percentage to be taking right now. So where did that come from? Again, it's just I just don't want to regret not doing things. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm where blind did that to it. Come from? Did your did your parents raise you like that? Are your parents like that? What uh, are your like? Where did that come from? Because there's a certain amount of grit, and like I'm just going to do that extra hour. And I think there's a certain amount of grit, but I think there's a certain mindset that combined is very unique to how you operate. Oh. Because, for example, you know, you came back from finishing the summer, almost finishing the summer, and you were 480-something. And most people would be like, yo, I, like, blew the record, I'm good, it's okay. And quite frankly, you know, if it was me, I'd actually have to do some serious digging to be like, I'm going to hit 500K. Because the last thing I would want to do after eight months of, like, hustling is go knock on doors. Yeah. But we had that conversation and you were like, I set the goal for 500K. That's what I committed to, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go do it. Which is interesting, because there's a certain level of grit. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing, but I think there's that mindset piece. So it's like, where for you did that mindset and grit come from? Of like, I'm gonna do it, but also, if I don't do it, it's gonna set precedence for other things in my life to slide. So your question is, where did that come from? Yeah. Like, if you think about it, when's the first time that that was a conscious, if, if, can you go back and be like, this is the first time I actually consciously thought like that? Uh, the the thing keeps coming back in my, in in my head is, is the, is the fear of wasting, of, of waste of just but where did that when oh. when did that because you were 21 which is quite young yeah because I feel like I'm old and I'm like 29 I'll, I'll tell you this when was that first conscious thought I joined a uh, I became heavily involved in um, in politics at 17 mm-hmm. and then I joined Toastmasters which is a public speaking club also at 17 and then all of a sudden I started being surrounded with these 50 60 year olds Mm. And the kind of stench that a lot of them reeked was the stench of regret. Oh, interesting. And it's like, oh, I could have been an MP if I did this back then and I Mm. raised this much money. And, oh, I would have been this position in Swarovski if I did this and that. Or I would have been able to start this one business that I always wanted to start. And, oh, you're so young, Amir. Please don't waste it. Oh, you're so young and, and, you know, you're so hungry. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. So I'm surrounded by all these people who are triple my age, mm-hmm. who've lived life, who I think have a certain wisdom that I just will never see until three years later about waste. And I feel like if I waste opportunities and not make the most of everything I have, then I would regret it in the future. And because I only have one life... Uh, it, there's no second chances coming from that. And I and I felt the feeling of regret before. And I think that comes from basketball. Mm. Because 
the first time I didn't make the team, I'm like, okay, something I wasn't doing enough. So I came back that summer and I and I put in double the hours. Didn't make the team. Well, I didn't do it on the weekends. Worked out, did everything. Well, I just hit puberty. I should probably now start working out more. Worked out, get my get everything going, the shot going. Didn't make the team. Well, I didn't really focus on my jump. Focus on my jump, my strength, my shooting, my dribbling. Well, now I, I didn't make the team. Now maybe I got to focus on IQ of the ability to understand how things move around. So I started playing a lot in the neighborhood and around great players. Then I didn't make the team. Oh, you know, maybe I got to... Where did... My favorite question is, but where did that come from? Because... And I really honestly... I'm trying to go back as my far role, as possible. I think my role in, in what I do is to deconstruct with subconscious for top performers. Oh, I'm really because, trying, Dominique. I really am. Because I had another like three and a half hour conversation with somebody who's also a top performer or something else. And it was like, all I did was push back. It was like, where did that come from? Because most people would try it for basketball once and be like, mm, you know, I didn't make it. Oh. And they kind of, you know. Because I, I had this fear of being average. I didn't want to be average. And that scared me. Where did that come from? Is that like intrinsic? I think it's like I've spent my whole life and I just be, just became, like nothing wrong with being average, but I, I just saw it as a waste again. It's like this, whole, this one life here. Now I'm in Canada and there's this opportunity that none of my friends will ever taste. There's this thousands of dollars and, and hours that my parents have invested to me to come mm-hmm. here. The least I can do to give back to them is not wasted and just be average. Did your parents instill that no, in you? No, no way. My parents are always like, we love you the way you are. And they don't just say that. They also show that over and over. So it's not like hypocritical. We're like, oh, we love you the way you are. By the way, did, you get, did you get a 95 on that test? Yeah. No. Oh, speaking of, now I remember back in, in Jordan, it was like, I always wanted to be have the highest marks because in Jordan, after a test, mm they would read out the highest marks top down mm. by student number. Mm. But then people would memorize each other's numbers, even though they were nine digits long. That's why I'm like so good at memorizing because uh, I would memorize my friend's number. Uh, so when it would come up, I'm like, yeah, good job. <laughs> but because of that, it's like, it was the easiest way for me to get uh, admiration from my peers because mm. I felt like I didn't fit in. Mm. So I guess that if you really trace it back, it goes back to that moment in class where I, I wanted to shine because they would read out my number. Which was one five four nine. So I remember that. My brother's number, I think, is four three four four. Wow, that really made an imprint, eh? I don't remember the rest, but I remember the ones that started one four something something were like um, a couple of years earlier into that private school. Okay, because I would say I yeah. also one of my deepest fears is you know, finishing up my life and being like, that did not amount to what I want. Oh, so God. I yeah, also, Jesus. So I That's also, scary. Yeah, it's scary. It really is That's one of my spooky. deepest fears. But I would say that, so that was real for me even back, so I'm 29 now. So what, eight, I'm eight years older than you? Yeah. That was real for me eight years ago, but did not translate into the amount of grit that you, that you, that you have. Mm. So, um, so it's interesting 
because I really think, you know, part of me, I it's because I'm 29 and I was just telling somebody now, I'm like, I feel like I'm old. They're like, oh my goodness, don't think you're so young, like all this stuff. And I do, um, I was talking to somebody yesterday and he's like, you know, what would you say are your life regrets? And if I really think about it, I wish I knew tangibly what I know now on making dreams and goals happen. Because it was so airy-fairy for me, even when I was in student works painting. So student works painting, my first year I did like 46K. My second year I did, and that was like blood, sweat, tears, like you name it, I gave everything. Mm. And I, and I hit 46,000, 46, I think the average at the time was 60K. Mm. So it was significantly lower. And then I came back my second year and I did like 85K. And then I came back my third year. So I exponentially grew each year. So it wasn't like I like kind of plateaued. So exponentially grew, but there is a disconnect for me between the belief that my goals could actually happen. So I would look at it and be like, yeah, you know, I'm doing 80K. And the only reason why I wanted to do 80K was because I could go to Mexico. That was, that was the incentive. So for me, if, you know, even five, six years ago, if I set a goal underneath all of it, I actually didn't think it would happen. So I was disconnected from, from, cause I'd be like, well, that's, that's cool. But I have nothing to show me that I could actually do it. So it's interesting cause more recently I would say in the last year and I've really gotten to deconstructing what makes success and achieving goals happen. And I think the most important trait is proving and showing yourself that I said I was going to do this and I did it. And then that's one block. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, cool. So now I have, I've like shown myself that I, for me, it was like, I wanted to move to Toronto for five years. And in March, I was like, that's it. I'm moving to Toronto. And so for me, that was a line in the sand. And now anytime I'm like, oh, I have this goal of doing a bike tour for 30 days. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Ridiculous. And then I was like, but you moved to Toronto and you had no plan. So you can do the bike tour. Snowballs like crazy. Yeah. But, and so it's like building those blocks. So it's yeah. interesting because I think you also do it in your own unique way. Where it's like, if I... If I skimp out on this last hour of door to door, I am giving myself permission to skimp out on other things in life. So it's like you almost like subtract it from like, here's my thing that I want to do. I know I can hit it, but if I don't do that hour of marketing, I'm going to consistently give myself a way out. And I've kind of done it the other way. I'm like, I actually don't really have too much, in my opinion, people will disagree with me, and my personal opinion, which is the only thing that matters for me achieving my goals, is how I view myself, is I don't, like, I didn't think I had what it took to hit goals. And so for me, I, I've been consistently, consciously building blocks to be like, okay, you don't think you can do this? What is something that you don't think you can do? Go do that. And then once you do that, then you have this belief and go do that. So I think it's interesting because I think we do it in a yes. similar way, but different. Because yeah. yours is more sub- subtracting. It's like, I'm going to consistently hit 20K, or 20 hours a week. Like, I remember you talking with Michael and you were like, it was so cold when they, like, I came home and my face was frozen. Yeah. 
Right? It was negative 35, yeah. Yeah. And so, if you, so let's go to that night. Oh. You're, you're like, what got you out the door? Man, okay. I love rain and snow for the sole reason that the average person will not be active or doing anything. I just, something about that, it, it just, it, it's literally an invitation to be above average. Here you go, it's snowing, you said you don't want to be average, an average person will sit in, all you have to do is just not sit in. And this small win is what's gonna have you become like somebody who's above average. So do you just shut off your mind? What do you mean? It's, uh, it's on full blast. I get excited when it's negative 20 or more. Okay, hold it. This this will be really good. So what's your mind going through in this process? Because my mind, if I didn't shut off my mind, would be like, would give me all the reasons why I should stay in. Stay in. 100%. That makes no sense. Like, when it's like negative 35, yeah. I can guarantee you the competition in my industry is going to be nowhere to be found. Perfect. An actual wedding invitation has just arrived at my doorstep. And, and all I have to do is just dress a bit warmer and go out and just do what I normally so do. So is that actually your thought process? I swear to God. That's your, that's your thought process. It's, it's no BS. Actually, no I swear to God. Area. It actually gets me super pumped because I, I, I like it's uncomfortable, but it gets me pumped because it's negative 35. This is going to be the easiest, easiest night to get sales leads. And if I can conquer this night, I can conquer any night of canvassing. So this is an invitation for the rest of my summer. And this is an invitation to uh, and a message to the people in my life and a message to myself that nothing's gonna stand up my way of, of getting what I want, even if it's negative 35. So, have you- It just gets me, I, I, I guess me pumped. Is that intrinsic for you? No, I think that was, was trained. And how was because that Because I trained? learned to see the opportunity in it. But how was that trained? Um, I think it just, again, comes down to math. Like mathematically, if we're looking at it from a mathematical perspective, I think math always saves me because I'm a very emotional, sensitive person. But math always just grabs me back down to earth because it's like <clears throat> this huge goal, but you just dude, just just go and knock on doors. So do you right? focus? Okay, so let's let's zoom out a little bit. So if you focus. If you look at things, how do you naturally focus on it? Do you focus on the positive or the negative? Not what you've trained. Give me an example. Okay. Um, let me think. So I... Negative 35 degrees. Because my... Or setting a goal. Because my brain, if I do not train it, mm. will immediately go into all the reasons why the goal's not gonna go work out, or if I, like, should I email this person? Should I call this person? Oh, yeah. And I'll come up with 10 reasons for why they'd be like, that's a job. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right? It's, it's always the positive that's driving. Always. Like, so like, driving here, there's a huge uh, problem that happened between the painter and a client, 
and I got excited. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to call this guy to just understand, get some data of what's actually happening so I can just solve it and then move on versus let it sit there and just like stress me out. Okay, this is great because that was the next thing I wanted to go into. So so is that like a natural thing for you? No, More it's so? trained because okay. like last year I would have avoided the hell out of it. Because Michael, so Michael and I were chatting about your personality. So your personality comes across very easygoing. I have yet to see you stressed out. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen you stressed out. Michael was saying, yeah, I've never seen him paranoid. Like, he said he saw you stressed out once, maybe. Michael works with you for a full year. Yeah. And somebody who runs the size of business you do, anyways, regardless of whether it's in student works painting or not, would typically be stressed out. Yeah. You come across as a very chill Okay, wow. Individual. I, didn't know, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. You come across a very chill individual. And so it's interesting that you bring up this painter thing. Because for me, immediately, like, my subconscious will go into all the, all the reasons oh, yeah. why, and all the horrible things, right? Cool. And then I have to, like, actually tell my brain, calm down, in reality, what's actually happening. Yes. And I have to have, like, a mini, like, you know, session yeah. to calm me down, to actually be able to approach the situation without stressing out. Mm-hmm. But I also tend to, like, yeah. So it's interesting because you come across as a very chill. Okay, well, yeah. come and go. Yeah. I don't think I'm very, so thank you, first of all. And, and, and I don't think I'm chill. I just think I know how to handle my stress really well. Mm. So, again, and I really want to, like, I'm not just repeating it. Because it's just what's, like, if I'm really thinking about it, it's yeah. the fact. Again, going back to math and data. So something happens, I get a text from a painter, everything's going hellwire, but I'm in a lecture, I have to make a decision, do I lose out on 40 minutes of lecture time, which might cost me, you know, a certain amount, or do I go deal with this, which might cost me an employee and a client, and then more time in the future. So, okay, great, this is an easy decision, I'm going to step out the lecture hall. Once I'm there, before I make the phone call, I have to assess what's on the line. So we've already... What's actually, what's real? It's, emotions aren't real, fluid, not consistent. What's real is I have a painter and I have a client. What's real is that the, this contractual relationship exists because of money. I want to help them with paint and they have to give me money for it. And they, the only thing tying us in this relationship is that final check and our final service. Hmm. That's real. Okay, what is that final number? $800. Okay, great. Um, let's look at what that actually means for the size of my business. Um, 0.1%. Maybe like 0.3% of revenue. Yeah. Okay, cool. Great. So now I can actually, I, I can just swallow the pill. If I never see this $800, we're fine. If we look at it like from a long to macro perspective. Yeah. We're fine. I can afford to pay labor, take a loss on this. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay, cool. Now let's figure out what needs to happen. So if I can if I'm okay standing to lose eight hundred, then I'm gonna be okay standing to lose seven hundred, six hundred, and all the way down to a dollar. Mm. So what's the problem? Let's get some data. The painter says the ceiling patchwork was not happy. 
the wall, the room needs a third coat. Hmm. And there's more holes to fill on the walls that weren't quoted for. What does that actually mean? Okay, the ceiling patch, that's an hour and a half. Hmm. The wall patch is another hour, so two and a half hours. And then a third coat all over probably takes three hours on just the walls. So 2.5 plus 3, that's 5.5 hours plus labor. Oh, it's actually a $180 problem. It's not a call the client. Hey, here's what I heard. Here's what I'm offering. Any other comments or concerns? Mm. No? Great. Perfect. We'll be there between 9 and 10 o'clock. Done. Math saved me. Okay, so this... Okay. That was such a calming effect on me. Yeah. That's a really good practice I should take. So I remember you talking about... So you have a friend who runs a window painting company. I'm not going to name him. But you know who I'm talking about. Yeah? So you guys are quite close. He called you one day. And he was like, yo, this this employee quit or something like that. Mm. So your friends run a similar business for what's he in? It's like fifth year? <coughs> fifth, sure. sixth? It's, no idea. it's a while. It's yeah. at least. He's a veteran. Yeah, yeah. Five, six years at least. Um, and he still, even after that amount of time, still gets worked up about that type of stuff. Yeah. So if you look at him... Versus you, what would you say is that difference? Uh, I think it's just a proper understanding of what's real. Hmm. Uh, like, what is real? His painter quit, and his painter, he owes his his, his em, no, employee, sorry, his employee quit, and he owes his employee $1,000. He feels betrayed by the employee. The feeling of betrayal is just, it's not real. Hmm. Um, and he doesn't want to pay the, pay, the, the employee the $1,000 as repercussion to teach a lesson. Mm. What is that all about? That's about ego and just being right. That's not real. Like what's real is like you're a human being, which is what feelings which are just fluid, you know? And what do I mean by they're not real is that um, I can show you a picture and give you a story about it and you might be angry, but then I'll tell you, oh, it's actually a paid actor. Same picture. But now you're reacting differently because we're, we're talking about language. Yeah. And language is how, you know, we get our feelings. And, and But the reality is there's a picture and there's you and you just look at it and it's like, okay, that's a picture. Mm. But then I, I tie a story to it through language and now all of a sudden you're angry. But then I, I tie more language to it and tell you that's actually a paid actor and they're totally fine. They actually make a million dollars a year. And you're like, oh, okay, then it's whatever. Mm-hmm. That's like very interesting. So... With this relationship, what is real is that he wants to run a big business. And what's real is this is working him up. This is taking up a lot of energy in his day and stressing him out. So that all that brain power that he can be focusing on something is now being diverted a bit. It's like a, a rushing river. Instead of being focused, all of a sudden this little creek opened up. It slows down everything. And $1,000. Well, let's do the math on thousand for his business. To make a thousand dollars, you need two thousand dollars worth of work. Well, his revenue is already way above three hundred thousand dollars. So, what is this thousand dollars actually costing him? It's actually costing him like ten thousand dollars, maybe mm. twenty thousand. So, it doesn't make any sense. It's actually costing you more money, not paying him. There's an interest on emotion because you let it sit. So was there a time that that was not as um, ingrained in how you think? 
you had to develop that thought process of going through it? Because I would imagine now you've put yourself oh. in a situation where you've trained yourself enough that it doesn't take 10 minutes for you to yeah, work so through that thought process. Yeah, so all the things that I mentioned through language and whatnot, that actually all stems from, um, you know, because I'm young and very ambitious, I surround myself with very powerful people and mentors. So one of the things that I've just accepted in my life is I I have to just filter through to find the right person and when I do, I'm just going to submit all belief any bias and just believe everything they're saying because mm-hmm. they have something that I want. And if I just submit and just do everything they tell me to, I'm going to I'm going to get it. I'm going to absorb it away. So Michael had a business and had an income that I wanted mm-hmm. and I absorbed that all in information and then I met this coach that uh, the district manager Vanessa that she she does over a million dollars okay great she has something that I want I'm gonna take that and absorb it there's an operator who just sold twenty thousand dollars a week so I'm gonna submit all my belief about what sales is and what it should be I'm just gonna listen and absorb and take mm. and okay now what's the how can I keep sponging all good things okay well there's this, this MLM multi-level marketing there's this one guy who's really good at sales I'm just gonna sit next to him and absorb okay now I'm I was able to do good because I just submitted all belief in what sales is and just allowed him to just give me whatever. Mm. Um, and then I go to Toastmasters and I see this really incredible speaker and I would just listen to them and audit them and ask them questions and call them and I would absorb all their techniques and whatever books they give me and podcasts to listen to them. I'm submitting all belief. And then I'll get into something like Landmark, which is a one of mm-hmm. the, the highest uh, and, and professional self-development courses out there that that made Tony Robbins well hold on a second here if I just go there Michael Hawley called me up one evening hey we want to come down for this thing Mm. that's probably bullshit let's go but it's Michael I'm I look up to Michael go there oh it's probably bullshit but they got something that I that I need so I'm just gonna take it and do it yeah and then once I was there I'm like I was resisting 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 and then one day I said okay this is actually a waste of his money let me just give this a shot so Submitted, absorbed, and I'm like, whoa, hold on a second here. Wow, I didn't know I didn't trust people, and now I can trust people. Wow, now that I can trust people, I can actually start a business and rely on somebody. Hmm. And that's why I did 225. Hmm. Because I was absorbed and understood this idea that, okay, you, you, to run a successful business, you're just going to have to trust somebody with a lot of money. And I trusted somebody, hmm. and it, we were successful. Yeah. <coughs> so now I'm, I'm around all these people that I'm, you know, understand where I am and I'm just learning and this guy has this you know this guy owns a, a company here and a company here she's a speaker here and okay who do I want to surround myself with after doing a simple filtering oh okay I want to absorb 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 and then just uh, being unapologetically coachable that's like was, yeah because you're extremely and it's funny because Michael sent me a bunch of questions to ask you and one of them was uh, how you stay humble uh, and the second one was, are you worried about your ego mushrooming out of control? Okay, so the thing about being uh, humble, uh, I read a lot of philosophy, and the, <laughs> the number one guy... Sorry. <laughs> totally. The, the number one guy out in BC, his name is John Morgan, and he has an incredible podcast that people, I think, should, should check out. He's a yeah. good friend of mine. And he's out in BC, and he's a uh, reads a lot of philosophy... He, he, his business out there is, is 450k yeah so he's doing okay. really really well yeah uh, the all time record in Canada is 505 
So which we want to break. <laughs> Pause, sorry. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Michael sent me this thing. He's like, do you feel weird about the Ferrari videos you made? Oh my god. <laughs> Not at all. That's a small win. We'll, Guys, we'll sorry. I really, I, I like, okay. Go yeah. ahead. So, so he's out there. John Morgan's the number one painting operator out in the West. He's been doing it for six years. Yeah. So, okay, perfect. I, I, I the, the number two guy in student works, I'm always on the call with, always learning from him. But now I need something else. Okay, this this guy out West who runs a similar size business, this guy definitely knows something. So drag him in. Again, absorb, absorb as much as possible. And he Wait. talks about... Okay, go ahead. He talks about... Uh, he's a, mainly, mainly a stoic. So this, mm. this, uh, this idea of stoicism. Mm. And he talks about pride. Pride and ego. Yeah. And pride dulls your mind. Because I think if you're if you have a big ego, that means you're proud of yourself. Mm. And if you're proud of yourself, that means that you think that you've done something really impressive and that you're satisfied with something. But that's the thing. That's why I, I don't do too good with compliments. Because mm. I'm afraid if I get complimented too much, I'll feel good about myself and become and just settle. Mm. But I don't want that. I want to always better myself. Yeah. So I think... If I was like, oh, look at me, here's what I did. And that's actually why I, did, I, don't, I don't like to post too much on social media. Because things are going really well in my life. And I just, I'm afraid of people seeing it as like, oh, wow, look at this guy showing off. Even though I want to share, like, okay, anybody can really do this. You just need the right hunger and mindset and, and, and community around you. Um, and reason. Yeah, because you really, you know, and I, I've been around a lot of uh, alpha males since Genomics painting. Genomics painting tends to attract yeah. so what do I mean by yeah. alpha male because you know like, Darwin disproved that there's no such thing as but alpha you know what beta. I mean yeah. by the term yeah well can you describe it like, what, yeah what so like and I'm just gonna use guys as an example because student works when I was in it was mainly dominated by males cool, cool. it just that's just kind of the demographic makes sense it, yeah, it even today. absorbed so guys who were very like raw raw and especially top performers, it was like, look at me, this is what I've done, like, I'm top dog. And it's interesting because you're very different than that. Like, for somebody who, like, blew the all-time record out of the water, your level of humility and ego is very low, just in, in general, right? And, and I think that's correlated to your success. Because, oh. because I think with ego, it's like, well, I kind of already know what I'm doing or I kind of have it figured out, whatnot. And your ego and your, uh, like, what's the word? Whatever. It's just like, well, if I can learn from anybody, let me learn. Oh, yeah. And I think it, it really is correlated to your success. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I think it's stupid to be like very egotistical. Because then you lower your chances, like, making friends. Nobody likes a show-off. So to me, it just doesn't make logical sense for me to be, you know, all this, look at me. Nobody likes that guy. So I want to just live a good, happy life with people who like me for who I am. And if they start correlating me as this guy who's proud, mm -hmm. and that word stems from pride, someone who's just proud... Uh, and has a big ego, that's not something that's relatable or likable. So I think that's very foolish 
because you're only focused on short-term pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but guess what? In a year or two, nobody's going to remember your name because you're just all this guy who's just in the way and like, okay, we get it. Like nobody who's who's doing 80K and 90K in student works wants to better themselves would want to make that phone call to that guy because like they know they're going to be talked down to. It's like, oh, bro, you don't have what it takes. You don't know what I went through as a kid. You know, you know what I mean? Sorry. I love New Yorkers, by the way. Don't take it the wrong way. <clears throat> but that's not what it is. You know, it's... Uh, um, well, it's interesting we're getting into this ego thing. Because I would say... I would have considered myself to, some, to be somebody who is humble and without a lot of ego. Yeah. But when I actually look back on it, I, was, I had a lot of ego. Okay. In a very, like, twisted way. And my ego and my pride stemmed from, like, I did not want people pointing out what I was not good at. Which is oh, why, okay. like, I would, even people giving me feedback, I was quite resistant to. Because I would take it really personally. Oh, perfect. Right? And so it's interesting. I really had to, like, work and develop on that. It's interesting because I think you actually, like, you're like, Please give me as much feedback as possible. Like, it, it almost, like, you, kind of go back, going back to the attached versus committed conversation. Like, you're, you're not attached to people thinking of you in a certain way. Yeah. I think there's, this is perfect, because this is how I see it. I think there's layers to it. Because I think people love talking what they're good at. Yeah. So when, when they do that, they're exposing all their weapons and secrets. Mm. So it's like, okay, let me strike this guy's ego a bit. He's going to expose all his secrets. I'm just going to take them and collect. Hmm. And if somebody asks me, fine, here you go. Take it. It's not mine to, to, to have. Like, here, here's this. Yeah. And also, it gives me a good feeling. Like, when you give somebody uh, and help somebody, it, it just clears your mind, makes you happier, which makes you perform better. So it snowballs. Hmm. But it's like, whatever. Like, it's blue ocean versus red ocean. Which is like, okay, this is a big market. Me helping Eric is not going to stunt my business. Mm-hmm. You know, Even though in the same turf, maybe his clientele are a bit different than mine. I'm not too worried about that. I'll just go work harder than them. Like, it's fine. So, it's like, that's why I love questions. Because it's like, you, know, you, you sit down with somebody who's in, incredible at something. You know, if I was, you know, let's say my name was Bob and I just started StudentWorks now and I saw this guy who did 500K, I would find every way to stroke his ego and spend as much time as possible to just absorb just tons of information. Like, you're not afraid of looking stupid. Um, If it's controlled. Like, I'm I'm okay to look stupid if I know I'm making myself look stupid. So it's like, I'll act like an idiot and pretend I don't know sales so you can give me as much information as possible. And I'm okay with you thinking as an idiot, but oh, you wait. But you know in the back of your head. Oh, it's like, I got this. Like, no, because I know I'm not an idiot. That, I like literally, I think that's the gold. I think, going back to <laughs> like where my, um, like where my ego came from, was I was not settled in who I was for myself. So I didn't want to look like an idiot or I didn't want to look like X, Y, or Z because I wasn't settled and convinced myself that I wasn't X, Y, or Z. 
And so I didn't want to go and have conversations with people and have people point out things. Because for me, I actually wasn't settled on that. Where it's interesting for you, you're like, I know I'm not an idiot. Or I know I'm not X, Y, or Z. And so I'm okay if people think that way. Because I know for myself, that's not what it is. My head's in the long term. So when I'm in that basketball game where I'm missing all the shots and I have my team lose, they're like, oh, Amir, you're trash. Yes, Mm -hmm. today I'm trash. But all this anger that stemmed up in me in this game, I'm going to take it to the gym. And you bet you my shot's going to be better next time. And I'm going to beat you. So Mm -hmm. I always knew like it was just like I have in my reserve unlimited hours to invest to become better. So I was never afraid. It's like, okay, if somebody was better than me, cool, take this trophy and ribbon. I'll be back. I just, just, I read this thing and here's it. So now I just got to put in this many hours and I'll see you soon. I'll let you, I'll stroke your ego. Like, dude, you're so good, man. I wish I could be like you. Because then they'll settle. And then while they're stagnant, I'll go learn stuff and then come in and attack. And it's like, whoa. Because mm. it happened. There was one basketball game, I remember. I went up to the, against the best player in the team. Hit him with a crazy move. And he was embarrassed. Because he mm. underestimated me. Because the, the whole season, I was generally like really impressed by his performance. And then when it came to it, I embarrassed him in front of his friends. And that was like a win for me. Because it's like, oh, this the best guy. I just dethroned for a single minute. He may be better than me overall, but mm-hmm. that was my moment. Yeah, that moment. I, I won what I wanted to win, which is knowing that he is beatable. So with that little speck of data, now I knew it was possible to be, for me to be better than him. And now the question is, do I want to pursue that and spend all these hours now that I know it's possible? Mm. Or should I go invest in something else? Mm. Oh, okay, I'm just going to go invest in something else because I already got my, what I wanted to get out of it, which I was capable of beating this person. Mm. Okay, now I know it's possible. Okay, I'm just going to go focus on something else. So it's like, you know, when I'm playing uh, you know, video games, for example, and I managed to become really good where I'm playing with top-level players and I'm holding my own. Okay, now it's like, I know I have it, but do I want to invest this time? Is this, is this aligned with my life goals? No, yeah. I just discovered that I'm able to do that. And then I would step back and do other things. So with, oh, with, that was gold. Oh, I really, I think, uh, I think if, if, I think if there was one thing that I wish people could just like take right away that would allow them to achieve their goals that we really want, it would be to be settled in who they are. Because once you're settled in who you are, mm. not like comfortable. But if you're like, I know for myself who I am. What you're capable of. Yeah. And it, and and people can say anything they want, but I know for myself, this is what it is. Yeah. And once you have that, I think you can go do anything you want. Yeah. And how do you do that? Because somebody might be saying, well, okay, how do I well, how exactly. do I get that? Yeah. I'm like 29 now. I still, you know. Go do things. Yeah. Go do things. Do that bike ride. Once you finish that bike ride, you're going to be like, holy moly. Okay, maybe I can do a marathon now. Yeah, it's another block. Maybe it's now a triathlon. You will do a triathlon. I just know it because it's you're going to conquer it slowly, slowly. Yeah. And it may seem like completely overwhelming, but it's like... Now the Iron Man's next on the list. There you go. A triathlon's in there. Yeah. It's like just, just progression is what's going to happen. Okay. I have so, a couple points I want to go through. Anything else you want to... That was really great. Um... For my own selfish reasoning. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. I, I, I would just say always look at what's quantifiable. 
Like whenever you're looking at anything, like what can you actually put down on an Excel sheet or on paper? Like uh, write down like what stresses. Mm. And then you'll find out, okay, stress is me losing $800. Mm. Okay, well, then your problem is the $800. Okay, how can you decrease that? Well, with that previous example, we just reduced $800 to 150 Yeah. Through math. Great, now I'm no longer stressed. Okay, so I'm going to give you uh, uh, <coughs> a hypothetical. Sorry, yeah. So, do you need more water? So, you have a rookie come in to StudentWorks Painting next year. And you have all the cliche things that people are usually told. But given your experience, what is the one thing, mindset-wise, that if you could just, like, put the chip in their brain, like, the one thing that would dramatically shift what the typical projection is for a rookie, what would that be? Like, if I can tell them one thing? Like, you tell them and it absorbs right in. It's very hypothetical. Um, find the absolute limit to what you're capable of this summer. Use this as a sandbox experience because your name's not gonna get, your reputation's not gonna get tarnished. You know, you might not lose. You know, if you're you know, you're 20. You already have debt. You're not gonna go in debt from doing this. Uh, go all in. Um, and worst case scenario, you make 20 grand in the summer. Minimum. Okay. So find the absolute limit. And you won't find the absolute limit by setting weak general goals. The average goal is 80K. Look at what the best person has done because that they're a human being. Okay. So, okay, if they're human, you already are, have a good chance at doing something that they've done. So just look at the record and set your goal to that record. And then and then go from there. The record for the rookie is 225. Like they, this year a guy came close at 217 and then just gave up. Mm. Again, this thing with goals, usually people hit like 80 to 90% of their goal. Mm. Fine, totally fine. But it's like you're $7,000 away. You consistently book 12,000 in a week. What happened? So just set a goal uh, to the record. Aim for the record. And if you go for it with your full capability and you don't hit it, then you'll know, wow, I was only capable of running 161, but God, that was double what my what the average person sets their goal to. And I made double of what I could have made. Hmm. So if you look at moving forward, what's the thing... Oh, hold on, one more question. So, once you decided you were going to do 500K, did you avoid listening to people about that goal? Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't like it. Because were you afraid, like, based on what they were going to talk about, what they were going to say, like, oh, that's a crazy goal? Like... It would, it would again, it's not real, and it would build on this story that's not real that would divert me from the facts. So it's like, oh, dude, oh, my God, dude, you're crazy. Mm. Oh, Marnus, this guy is incredible. And he got lucky, too. You, you want to do 500K more mm. and you have one year less experience? What are you doing? You're in full-time school. Don't do it. 
And then I would go back and be like, oh, okay, am I being delusional here? Okay, am I sending myself to, and again, I'm adding more just nonsense, where again, we just work the data. You just do 55 hours a week worth of canvassing. I can't do that, so that's why I had to hire somebody yeah. to double the manpower. So again, just logical, to me, it just seemed logical solutions. Um, like if your business has to put in 200 hours worth of painting in a day, you only have 24 hours, so just hire 20 other guys. So did you, once you did the math, you just suspended the yeah the inner chitter chatter? Yeah, my coach would call me and he'd be like, Amir, you had an incredible week. You sold $16,000. And then I was like, no, it was terrible. I didn't hit my goal. Mm. Stop getting caught up in this nonsense. <laughs> it's just black and white. The goal's 17000 a week. I did 16000 Therefore, I didn't hit my weekly goal. Mm. And then and then next week when he called me, he's like, Amir, great job. You hit your goal. Mm. And then the next week he called me. He's like, Amir, you were 2K off. What happened? Mm. I'm like, oh, there was an hour of canvassing. I actually didn't go. There you go. That, that probably would, would have been worth $2,000. Hmm. So just stretching away. Because I, I hit Mexico in March. Yeah. I hit 89000 in March something. May 1st, I think I was like 275. Yeah, because I, Michael and I met up with you and Ben, and I think you were like very close to 300 at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And if I was just like, like I would hear what you're saying, but I wouldn't be listening. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you I just turn the switch off. You're like, like you'd be I in wouldn't the conversation. let it. I'll just be like, oh, she's just expressing this thing, but like it just, that's not how I see it, and I'm not going to allow what she's saying change how I've adjusted this Rubik's Cube. To what I think will get me to where I want. Or like a better example is like a magnifying glass. Like you have it the right place to see this one thing. And people are trying to bump it out the way from it diverts your focus. Just okay, tell me about how good my thing looks. Just don't touch it. Mm. Okay. Just just look at it, compliment it, admire it, look through it. Mm-hmm. Don't touch it. Mm. And and how do you let people touch your um, the magnifying glass? If you let them, so just don't let them. Like, I think away. that goes back to the conversation of being settled in who you are. Because if you're not settled, yeah, you gotta drown the noise. Yeah, if you you're know, not settled in who you are, you're gonna let everybody else's opinion come and adjust the magnifying yeah. glass. Because all it is, it's like the whole point. Of this magnifying glass is here. It's because I'm trying to find something about my life. I'm trying to understand, like, am I actually capable of setting ridiculous goals and hitting them? Like, this is so important because this is gonna set the precedent for the rest of my life. Because th- you know, if it gets diverted, then maybe that one girl that I always thought would not be possible, I'll actually believe it's not possible versus now it's possible because mm. I set this ridiculous goal. So it's like, oh, or, or this one car that I want to purchase. Well, that's a ridiculous goal to buy this car. But it's also, there's a ridiculous goal for this business. So it's such an important experiment. So mm. I think people should treat Stinworks as a sandbox and experiment. Or anything in their life. What's one goal that you think is is out of your reach that you can take as an experiment and just experiment with it as opposed to like whatever treat it with such seriousness yeah. if you like, don't hit it nobody life. nobody's gonna yeah. care like this guy set a goal for something ridiculous well in mexico while i was at 450 people were already congratulating me for doing 500 when i didn't even do 500 yet so it's like people actually just don't care people admire the that that push 
if I finish that 494, not a single person's going to yeah. call me and be like, oh, you failed, you're terrible. People, like maybe Joseph Joy would call me and was like, dude, you got to come back and do 500. But those failed. are the people you would respect. And those are the people that I would allow adjust yeah. my, mic- my, my, my microscope, the magnifying glass. They have permission because I, I trust them. Yeah. It's like they've passed my filter tests. Yeah. So like, okay, this person actually understands what's going on. So for you looking forward, what's your next uh, experiment? Well, what, what's it like to start a business from nothing, no reputation, own cash flow, taking on a business partner, which I, I'm scared of taking on business partners, mm. taking on business partner and set and try and disrupt an entire industry. And that's mm. all I can say for now. But uh, yeah, that's we got we got some things stored yeah, up yeah. In, in the back burner. That'll be cool because now I like okay, you got th- these guys gave me systems and processes and flyers and back end. Okay, what does it look like to do that from zero and try to disrupt the business and try build a business that that can potentially offer generational wealth for me and my family as well as ultimate freedom that I've always been seeking. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? And I'm expecting you know to fail. Yeah. And then the lessons I learned, then I'll just do that again and again. But I'm again, I'm setting a ridiculous goal. I'm expecting $0 income for the next three years yeah. doing this business. So I'm still living with my parents because I'm not going to make money in three years. So guess what? If I make money in a year, mm. I'm so happy. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's like where my head's at. I'm just like, okay, the next three years, I'm not going to make a single dollar. I'm going to start budgeting. You know, I'm now... You know, Grant Cardone, one of the steps, stay broke. Yeah. Throw all my money aside. Now I have a budget, $12,000 a year. I have to come up with $12,000 somehow because I don't have money, right? So now I got to look up to that and then just, okay, one year, two years, three years. That means in my first and second and third year of business, we have to come up with a way for me to make Mm $12,000. And that's going to force me to find a profitability model and find a client and force me to fast forward some of the processes because I need the money. Yeah. Because how am I going to, you know, pay for my car insurance? I actually have no money. Maybe I'll like start with $3,000 or something Mm. humble. That's so refreshing to hear. Um... So, are there any, um, oh, I had a really good question. Um, I really think, I know you avoid social media, but I think this is the conversation that our generation needs. Like the conversation of, and Michael and I have gone into a far, like far more conversation recently in the last year about this is like focus on the process, not the end result. So you had your goal of 500K, right? Yeah. And then you just and then you, that. And you yeah. You did the, you did the backwards math and you're like, I need to do this much per week. So now and it then became that's it. Week. And you threw, you threw the end result in the corner, yeah. ignored it and just focused on the process. Yeah. Exactly. And I think there's so much noise now for the millennial generation, the younger generation of like, achieve this and achieve this and achieve this. And I really think like focusing on the process and who you become. So you have a goal and who you're going to have to become to achieve that goal is going to be a, a completely different person. Oh, yeah. Right? That was the motto for me and, uh, and Ben 
Ben Ben Cook, Benjamin James Cook. Um, he's a gem. He's he's an absolute beauty, and yeah. he had that hunger in his eyes in October of 2018, and he's like, Amir, I heard there's an opening for a management position. Um, I would like to you know learn as much as possible from you. I admire what you've created, and that's another thing with setting big goals. If you hit them, you're admired, and you attract high quality people mm. if i didn't hit, if i did 150 ben would have done his own things like he's just another guy mm-hmm. whatever just another job but he's like whoa this guy's number one he broke a record he wants to be the best again wow okay maybe there's something here um about that so okay cool let's go back and and try and, and learn something from him so mm-hmm. you know you know ben cook um you know that that allowed me to to get the what was the original question becoming different who you yeah and what we goal. kept saying to each yeah. other and i have a picture of my phone we took a picture on january 7th and we took a picture during banquet mm. of august 23rd it was the same pose we were both dressed in suits and it's like night and day change of who we are as people and it's like now a problem would come up and ben's like i got this yeah and we're talking like eight thousand dollar problem like huge problems for an average person yeah don't worry about it amir and for myself, that's an $8,000 problem. And I'm like, Ben's got it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get a text three hours later, check collected, client happy. Mm. It took months and months of training and failure and complaints and small claims court and whatnot. But you get there. Yeah. And Because you're a different person. And I kept saying to Ben, you will not book $100,000 worth of work. Mm. It's a different individual. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you have to break some patterns. Yeah. So the biggest pattern I broke with Michael was about time. You said to me at, at 7 p.m. I'm here at 7.05. It's just five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So breaking that pattern. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the conversation that if there's more conversation around being obsessed with the process, not the end result, and who yeah. you have to become, then people I actually think would be genuinely more fulfilled and happy. Yeah. <coughs> totally. Speaking from personal experience. Totally. So what would you say is the impact that you want to have in the world? Um, I just want to help people, uh, whether it is to have an amazing product or service or because I think business is the ultimate way to help it. Like to become a billionaire is one of my goals to be mm-hmm. a billionaire Not because of the money, because to be a billionaire, you truly have to either change an industry to the better, mm. change a billion people's lives or cause $10 billion worth of value in a marketplace. You're not going to become a billionaire by just, you know, being, you know, just I can't find a, an age appropriate word but you know somebody who's a waste you know you can't you can't do that yeah you, you can be born into wealth I'm not talking about that I'm talking yeah. about you know people might criticize Kylie Jenner for becoming a billionaire mm-hmm. but she's created a makeup company that and I don't have any opinion on this and you can have your own opinion on this but that some believe and you can ask some girls around the world that inspire them and give them confidence mm-hmm. 
to become more powerful women at any age group because they feel more attractive. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of value. Yeah. Because that person who feels empowered then does different actions, takes different decisions, and breaks certain patterns to become different people. And then those people can go change lives. Yes, it's makeup. Mm-hmm. But it's life is about you know the 8 o'clock, the 9 o'clock, what's happening in this minute and that minute. It's just the small things that slowly stack up. So I, I want to I cause as much positive change in the world and, and leave a legacy. You know, there's this saying in, the, in Greek mythology, I think it's also... You know, from religious texture, from the Abrahamic religions, that says you truly die when the last person utters your word, your name. Mm. So the last day that somebody says, "Oh, Amr Abu Shakra did this or did that," is when I actually die. I don't die when my my body leaves. I can still have a business that runs itself and mm-hmm. and does things, and and my money that I've created and distributed changes lives. But eventually, that ends. But what's left is like the word, you know, like Alexander the Great. He's still living for mm. 4,000 years. Plus. I don't know the, the dates there, but for a long, long, long time, way yeah. past 100 years. Um, you know, you have individuals who've, you know, from religious context as well as non-religious like Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Philosophy will be taught for thousands of years to go. And Aristotle and Socrates and Plato's names will be forever honored and they've placed themselves in immortality. If you look at, you know, business, Adam Smith, the invisible the invisible hand of capitalism. Mm-hmm. If you're well educated in, in business, his name will live on for as long as business exists. So it's like that's what the legacy Gandhi, you know, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. He, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of people who are African American who saw him as a leader will forever look back to that day that they reclaimed their position um, in society and, yeah. and, and and got that courage. So that's what I want to be able to create. Why? Because it will be waste not to. It would be a waste of an opportunity of being in this country to have the skill sets that I have, the momentum that I've built, and uh, I only have this one life, so. Might as well take my mama to the, a nice restaurant, buy my brother a nice jacket, and put my dad in the nicest houses in, in Toronto and, and give him some freedom. Because why not? And, and, yeah. and maybe have Selena Gomez as my girlfriend. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> you know, just don't listen to anything anybody else has to say about that. Just yeah. work towards that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to challenge you. I know you really are quite... Uh, reticent about social media. Oh, yeah. I know it's coming. And my challenge for you is to create something that allows people in on your journey. Because the way you think is very different and is much, and very different than most people. And is very much needed for this generation. And I think by you having whatever you have going on about it, I don't know mm. what it is. Mm. Yeah. You actually are doing a massive disservice yeah. to people. Because there are people your age, younger, older, who need to hear and need to see the journey. Like it's easy. Imagine if you had actually vlogged your process of doing half a million. I talked to Michael about that. 
Imagine if you had done that. Because now people are like, oh, Amir did half a million. He's da 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 But if you have this entire background and a weekly vlog, and it's like, oh, he's not that special. All he did was this. And I could see him. Like, he has one hour left of cold calling. He pulls up the videos. Like, the last thing I want to do is do it. But I go do it. Like, that has a massive impact. I really wanted to do that. Yeah. In, 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 Jan- in January, and I talked to Michael about it, Michael Hawley, and uh, I didn't end up doing it because the reason I wanted to do it was so I would look cooler. So it was for the wrong reason. So I cut myself off because it was for the wrong reason. And and I think that would have seeped through the footage. Yeah. And I think oh, that may have not actually made me hit my goal because maybe that would have caught on and it became really popular. And then I became satisfied with doing 350 or 400. So I wanted to be as quiet as possible because I knew it was the wrong reason. But now starting a podcast with Austin Trudeau and John Morgan called The Weekly Call because we just have weekly calls where we That's check so in great. and learn from each other. Um, and then slowly, like like one of my f- biggest fears is being cringe and like being embarrassing on camera. But why? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just I don't know. So... Cause, well, it's one part of it is because my other goal is to be, you know, like a prime minister. Yeah. So I'll be afraid, like I'm running for office, and then they're pulling up all these embarrassing videos that would like just reduce my chances of winning the election. I know it sounds crazy. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna push, it sounds I'm gonna so push back crazy. A little bit here. If you <laughs> actually recorded your process for who you needed for what you did to hit your next goal, the impact of that. If you actually did it long term, because your goal is a long term. If you actually yeah. recorded that process of the ups and downs, the impact of that, of people actually being able to see that, would actually have more impact, I'm going to challenge you, than being a prime minister. Oh, like showing the Like journey. imagine, oh, if wow. Richard Branson yeah. had recorded his entire journey, and people were able to see that, I would argue that that has more impact than being a prime minister. That would be historic. Canada. Wow. That would, Right? That'd be crazy. Road to prime minister. So if you're <laughs> looking, if you're looking, road to billionaire. At like the most amount of impact you can have. I don't know why you would otherwise want to become a prime minister. Like you know. Change. Yeah, I think I think a billionaire has more power than a prime minister. But so you I would I want just influence the right circles. Yeah. So that's why I'm. That's why I said my goal would be billionaire before I said prime minister, just because I think from what I've read and. I'm, and understood, once you reach a billionaire status, you can actually make a phone call to anybody in the world and they'll pick up. Yeah. It's just that reality of it. So I'm going to challenge you on that because it's like you're actually letting whatever noise you have on, I know. in your I, head. I'm very self-aware and that's why I'm, I'm just chipping at it slowly. I know my fear of not going on social media is hindering my growth and my brand and whatnot. And because if I'm now sharing on social media, my accountability is now even higher so I'll perform even better, and then I'll. I love doing this stuff. I love being on camera. Yeah. I'm afraid of being judged, and that's. But and that's weak, I and I know that. It's and, interesting that you're afraid of being judged because that's so different than how you operate in like a lot of other areas of your life. If, no, but if you think about it, like setting big goals is actually sometimes about looking good, and if you hit them, then you look good. So it's like there's a part of that, and I can be honest about that. Because you know I don't want to be considered like you know. A loser. I like to win. 
<laughs> but I don't know how doing a vlog is going to consider me a loser. I, you're definitely right. I'm self-aware. I've had that conversation with myself many, many, many times. I and think, I'm now taking steps. I think that conversation for you to battle <coughs> on is what are you, what's the impact of you not doing it? And the impact is people who are caught in their own thing and their own noise in their own head about this is not possible. Yeah. And actually seeing one, two, three, four of your videos would propel them out of that. You're actually taking that away from them. I think Maybe that's right, yeah. I think no, that's I know. what's there. Well, that's one of my goals. Is uh, that's why one of my goals for the fall is to go and uh, do stand-up comedy. Because I think if I bomb on stage, that's like the ice cold bath for me to go on social media. Because bombing on stage, where people boo you off stage, is I think probably one of the most important experiences a human has to go through. So I want to do that. Um, so, anything, anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Uh, I would love to go on the Facebook chat and see if there's any questions there. And uh, while I'm chipping on them, maybe. Oh, whoa! How many people do we have? Whoa! My mom said hi. That's oh. It. <laughs> hi. Oh, is that scrolling all the way up? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, I get thirty-five. Oh, yeah. Money. Anything. <laughs> Get you distracted. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Okay. Anything? Okay. So we've talked about a lot of things. And personally, I love doing the podcast. It's my own selfish like version of espresso, like inspiration. It's not even oh. inspiration. It's like yeah. what I need to hear, and then that's what I ask in the podcast. Is like what I need to hear. Oh, for you? Oh yeah. Oh, like do you want me to say something to you? No, oh, this, sorry. no, this is why ah. I do the podcast. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. Is because it's in a version selfish because I actually get to ask the questions I want to ask. So is it's there selfish anything... if you didn't share it, so. Yeah. Yeah. So is there... <laughs> is there, is there anything we haven't talked about um, that you want to say, that you want to talk about? I think we, we covered a lot of content, so I'm... Uh... Um, I'm feeling good, feeling satisfied. I think we gave a lot today, so. Yeah. And I always like to, this is very landmarkish, I always like to acknowledge people at the end of the podcast. And um, and it's interesting uh, because uh, your chillness is something, and I've worked with you, what, for the last two months, two, three, yeah. three months? It, I, every time I have a conversation with you, I'm like, oh, it's actually not that big of a deal, right? Oh, it's like wow. a very, it's really, very, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's very calming. Um, but I want, but you also have a very um, grounding perspective on what's possible in life. So when we have that conversation about the documentary, and you're oh, like, yeah. Dominique, come on, like, what are you doing? And I was just like, and I, I, I laughed and like biked away. Like that, that sat with me for a long time. I was like, oh, wow. okay, yeah, he was right. Like anything's possible. And so I really want to acknowledge you because the impact it's had on me, it, like it's really hard to describe. And, uh, and I think that's why I'm like, I really want to push back about you not sharing your journey 
because people are often stuck in their own mindset and their own whatever. And like, you know, you and I have had two really in-depth conversations about documentary and whatnot. And those have stayed with me. I'm like, oh, I could listen to this, which is like, that's challenging, da 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 Or I can have, like, I had this conversation with Amir. And oh, Amir wow. is like, yo, man, if like raising half a million dollars for the documentary is what you're stuck on, like, that's not a problem. I'm like, oh, I should just listen to that. <laughs> right? But it's, it, it like really has made a huge impact on how I view what's possible. Which is why I'm like, yo, if that's what, like the impacts it had on me, you know, I'm, those are like two. That's actually a great perspective because I can start a podcast or vlogging for two people. Like, oh, this vlog is for Dominique and Ben and anybody else who joins. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. You find some value, take it. But these are some people who requested me to vlog. So I'll do it, and if they if they still want to watch, I'll keep doing it. Yeah. And then I think that's cool. that's awesome. I think that's uh... yeah. Because if you if and that's how I view the podcast is like if one thing from the podcast impacts somebody, that's all that matters. GG. That's a, you've hit your goal. Good that's team. all that matters. Yeah. And so I really want to acknowledge you for that because I don't oh, think yeah. you're aware social of media, it. Yeah, I think social media is the next thing for me to climb. And I'm actually never almost aware of the impact. Like I always thought I don't really make, I didn't know I would calm you specifically. Yeah. I, I really look up to you. So oh. it's like, it's like, wait, what? I'm calming you? It's like, <laughs> no, it's Whoa. true. I'll call you and I'll be like, I'm here. This job. Like even today, it was like this job. Like, you're probably looking at, like, additional 20 hours. And you're like, da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I would really challenge you to put aside whatever you have. Because I know the impact you've had on me. Mm. And that's me. Right? Yeah. I've had a lot of people come up to me and be like, hey, man, I think you should you should do something. I, yeah. I like listening to you. I like. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I think I'm going to take that on slowly. But I will. Sorry. Uh, I will hold you to it. Yeah. I think this fall is about growth and doing things that scare me. So I think I'm going to. I bought the mic. I can make that investment. Yeah, man. I can make the time. I have the resources. Yeah. It's about executing. Yeah. I'm excited. Thank you. This is so good. (laughs) Well, thank you. I I feel like I want you to sleep tonight. I've had like. A full shot of espresso yeah. and like set to I think go. Elon Musk says like motivation is like a cold shower. Like you, you still need a lot of it. Yeah. But, you should, but what you need to do is just build a habit. So yeah. building habit out of something. It's like using that motivation to break a pattern and then sticking to it. Yeah. I think that's like the goal. So what what new habit are you going to build from, from this? What's a new action that you're going to do that's going to break a pattern? Because you can go around and just be like, woohoo, that was fun, and then go to sleep. Or, like, take out your book and computer and put it on your Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. That's why I love Google Calendar. Yeah. Because you can quantify problems and, and, and people. You can be like, oh, I have this problem with, with, with Bob. Bob knows. I've already connected with him. We have a follow-up call on Thursday. I'm not going to worry about Bob until Thursday. Mm-hmm. We both agreed it's Thursday. It's been quantified. You can put it out Thursday. of your head. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily that, but what I would like to do is, is take on the daily habit of like, once I've made the decision, like, so once you made the decision doing 500 K, you like put it out of your head. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's done. 
Because that's, that's not what scared the Because that's not my habit. I'll make a decision and then I'll rethink that decision over and over and over and over again yeah. and usually talk myself out of the decision. Oh, yeah. Does that happen with small things as well? It happens everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. I would say maybe, you know, like from my experience, yeah. like start small. Yeah. So like if you say, oh, I'm going to have coffee at this place and then you're walking to that place, but oh, I actually want that. No, just stick to that decision. You're just going to have coffee at that place. And then slowly it's going to be like, building out because then your decisions are final it's like oh look at that's what i decided so that's where we're going yeah because i negotiate with myself all the time yeah don't because <laughs> i that's what you don't want to do like yeah so i'm gonna take that on because i like i really do negotiate with myself like i'll make a decision and then i'll be like well think of it as like who wants to be a millionaire it's like once you say final answer nothing else matters it's over mm-hmm. game over like, too late oh you meant d but you said b sorry that was the final answer yeah so it's like just do that yeah i'm gonna take that on <clears throat> have you um ever listened to anything with david goggins no sounds familiar you're like very similar to him. he's extreme but like once he makes a decision like come hell or high water like it's done yeah i think um one of the founders of uber is very similar to that yeah people get scared of what he's gonna say because it's just gonna happen yeah so he doesn't say much but when he does, it's like, that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Uber's going to go public, and we're going to raise this amount of billions. And then it happens, and it's like, oh. Yeah, that's what I'm going to take on. Is like, once I decide something. Start small. Yeah. Start small. I'm going to wake up at 8. Wake up at 8. Yeah. But oh. make sure you want to wake up at 8. That's true. Like, you have a, a great job. You can decide your own hours. Yeah. Nobody's forcing you to start. Anything. That's why I think a lot of people in my business didn't. Like, I have one person who quit. Why? Well, what do you want? Is what, Here you go. Mm-hmm. No, just be good. Mm-hmm. Do your thing. And you have to screen for that personality because others can abuse that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think Kobe Bryant says when he recruits uh, for basketball, I saw this today. It's like, I'm not going to tell them how to do their job. I'm going to look for all the criteria and just give them what they need and then do your job. Yeah. And if you've done your job correctly with recruiting then it should be good well this is such a small example but recently literally like in the last week i would have this habit of setting an alarm clock for my ideal hour of getting up yeah, but who gave you that ideal oh, hour oh, hold on so i was like oh ideally i would like to get up at 5 30 in the morning so i'm gonna set the, hold on so i'm gonna set the alarm clock at 5 30 in the morning and then i would not get up to like 7 30 so then going back to your like once you set the precedent you just let it slide like, that's that's what it was. Yeah. So literally a week ago, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to set the alarm clock for the last possible moment that I can get up. Yeah. And then, because it's the last possible moment, I had to get up. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem. And if I get up earlier, that's great. And it's interesting, even in doing that in the last week, like, it's like, that's been like one small stone, like oh, building nice. that wall. It's like... Well, when I set the alarm clock, I, I have that. to get up when the alarm clock gets up. I think up. two years ago, I'm like, I want to wake up at 5.30. And then I looked at my life and my lifestyle, and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, I, I've, for my social circle and my age, I have to be up until 2 a.m., which means I should be waking up at 10. Yeah. And then my life is just like, okay, I'm just waking up at 10. Yeah. And I just want to wake up at 10.30 because I want to wake up at 10 because I want to sleep at 2. And it works. But ima- like, ima- I would, once I got it, I was like, imagine I'm starting off my day with already a broken promised myself oh, oh that's terrible right not not and then you up. feel crappy when you get up because it's like oh i haven't really slept for the last two hours 
And I, I was meaning to get up at 5.30. Never snooze. If you got to set, I like I sometimes set three alarms, but it's like two minutes apart. That's You shouldn't snooze for more than two minutes. Oh, mine was like two hours. Oh, no, no, no. Never yeah, snooze yeah. more than Oh, no. Mine was <laughs> literally two hours. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that, so I've changed that recently. Yeah, yeah. Just have it be like two minutes. If you have to get up at eight, just put one for 5.56, 5.58, and then eight. It's funny because now that I'm setting it for the last possible moment, I actually wake up naturally earlier now. Okay, good. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's crazy, man. Okie dokie. Well, that was so great. Anything else to say? Thanks again. Oh, yeah. it was so great. They had a good time. I feel like I sponged all your oh, prettiness, you <laughs> and I will take it. Um, and let's do a take two of this. And, uh, oh, God. I don't know. When you do your next big thing. Oh, I thought take two of everything we just did. Because oh, no. you forgot to click record. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no. Part two, part two. Oh, part two. Oh, 100%. Okay, awesome. Totally. Bye.